Welcome to the Daily Objective. And today is, I never thought I would get to say this again, Election Tuesday. Uh, apparently there's, or wait, it's actually Wednesday, but they're uh, projecting that at least one Democrat won in Georgia of the two seats. And uh, I think uh, CNN and BBC are projecting that both seats are won by the Democrat nominee. So um, there's a lot to discuss about kind of what that might spell out for the future of politics in America. But more than that, more than that, I want to talk about um, the sort of culture that is springing up around these elections, because there is a protest, I believe, planned or happening to defy the verdict or the uh, the results of the Electoral College vote. And of course, the Electoral College vote, in my understanding, is based on literal ballots, etc. So the whole voter fraud allegation is still very much intact. And as I would expect at this point, as the results are coming in for this um, Georgia election, what we're seeing is people immediately shooting it down and saying, well, of course they won. Of course the Democrats won. They control everything. So basically implicit in that is never trust elections again, even in a very conservative Republican area, even even if a conservative Trump appointed judge says there's no evidence of voter of mass voter fraud, even in those cases, still just never trust any time a Democrat wins. Never trust it is my understanding of what the right seems to be saying right now. And it's the equivalent of saying any time a black man is found guilty in a court of law, it's because the court is racist and, you know, the odds not are, or it's just it's it's rigged against him. It's the equivalent of that. If you don't even trust the courts, you don't you don't trust the election results. You just never trust any time a Democrat wins anything again. Then honestly, what are you doing in this country? Like why if you think it's that corrupt when literally every election is rigged in the favor of Democrats then like why even live here? But uh, I think there's um, there's something worth mentioning here that uh, I've been thinking about lately. There's something that I like about the Daily Objective, the show that we're doing here. We've been doing for a few months. There's something I like. Here's what I like. I don't think we've ever brought up Immanuel Kant. Immanuel Kant, he's, he's mentioned a lot in objectivist literature, and rightfully so. He's, he's been called, I think, the black mirror to objectivism, like just the opposite. Just everything that objectivism is, Kant's philosophy is the opposite and you know, wrongfully so, according to objectivism. And rightfully, in objectivist literature, whether it's by Rand Peikoff or various other philosophers, Kant is mentioned. But what I like about this show is we stick to what we know. And I don't think any of us who host this show are experts on Kant. I don't think any of us have studied much Kant. So we're, I'm glad that we're not coming on here and describing what's happening in the world and saying this is Kant's influence and here's how it traces back to Kant. But I want to invoke Kant uh, here because I think this is relevant. I want to remind the audience, Kant's politics, as far as I understand, are not that bad. Kant was, like many philosophers of his time, supportive of the American Revolution and qu quite a sort of a Lockean when it came to politics. That's my understanding. Again, I'm obviously not an expert, but my understanding is that Kant, for one reason or another, you know, objectivists have speculated he had to be an individualist in politics to be, you know, accepted, to be taken seriously in that time. In, a, in any case, that is Kant's politics. So 
if this uh, if this whole game plan is to find people that are good on the issues, you know, good on the issues, then maybe Kant is our guy afterwards, uh, after all. And obviously I'm being sarcastic because it is an epistemological battle at the end of the day. And when I saw Trump get up on election night and announce that he won and that he wants he's going to sue for them to stop counting votes and that the next day you see people on the right tweeting out and posting various pictures and video clips with no context saying this is evidence. This is proof that this is this election is being stolen in front of our in front of our face. I realize how important epistemology is that the how you arrive at your conclusions is really the beginning and the end of this battle that I think we're in to save the world, to save liberty. You cannot save liberty on false premises. You cannot save capitalism on an altruist premise. And I will offer you that you cannot save liberty, you cannot save individual rights with, an, with faulty epistemology, with absolute whim worship and bullshit, which is exactly what we see from Trump. And I'm seeing that's his influence on the right. We're seeing it everywhere. And just as the results are coming in for this George, Georgian election, the election in Georgia, again, immediately, oh, of course the Democrats rigged it. So you don't actually need evidence anymore. This is amazing. You can just assume Democrats are just going to win every time by fraud. Magnificent. I'm reminded of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the underrated film, Last Action Hero, when the child tells him, you know, the killer is in that house. He goes, this is incredible. I, I spent so many years studying the science of investigation and criminal psychology. And it turns out all it takes is to drive around the block, park in front of the house and say, there he is inside the house. This is amazing. This is incredible. So um, I will offer you that we cannot function. We cannot live under a president or a leadership, we should not be uh, keeping a person in office, um, if at all possible, to avoid so. If he's the type of person that has no regard for evidence, no regard for reality, and that's the influence he's having on the people around him. But in any case, we had a debate on this very show. We had our friend I'm Eamon on. He told me I'm too dismissive of voter allegation, uh, voter fraud allegation. And I said, no, I'm not dismissive of the allegations. I want them to investigate it. And I'm glad that they are investigating it. And it went to the Supreme Court, did it not? So I want the investigations to take place. But what I am dismissive of is a chimpanzee like Donald Trump getting up there and just announcing I won and don't believe the Democrats anytime they win. It's, it's insane to me that people are going with this, right? It's, this is the power of um, not having your epistemology intact, not having an objective approach to the world, not having your philosophy worked out. Am I wrong about this? And I know people say, well, Biden is a liar. The Democrats are liars. I agree. But when Biden lies, first of all, we need an opposition to Biden, right? We need a party to face, to go face, to face off with the Dems. But also when Biden lies, he mumbles something that everybody knows he's crazy and old and out of it. And nobody believes Biden. Everybody knows he's an idiot, right? When, when Trump lies, like I want to believe him. He's so, he, he, he seems to believe his own words so much. He's at, this is absolutely insane, but I, just, uh, I, I, I bring this up here today. This might be my longest opening monologue to date. I'm bringing up Immanuel Kant's politics and all that just to make the point that it is a political battle, but without epistemology, it's, 
there is no winning the political ba uh, battle. We need to have, we need to go with the uh, route that is most true to the facts of reality. And this is bad. What we're seeing right here, this is not going to age well. This is not going to age well. This whole orgy of voter fraud allegations, it's not going to look good when you look back on this in a few years. I'm telling you, I hope, I'm, I mean, I hope you look back on this and sort of reflect on this. This is absolutely insane. And there's no way, again, there's no way we're going to save liberty following a, the type of person who just announces, I won the election, never believed the Democrats, and now we're going to protest against the uh, Electoral College as well as conservative judges that threw these cases out. That's not all the time we have today. I was about to say that's all the time we have today, but uh, let's pass it over to a guy who, you know, his people quote unquote, his ancestors, his country or his nation invented democracy. So maybe he has something to say about this. Please uh, welcome my co-host, Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Hi, everyone. So just an update on what is happening. So, so the vice president says, just said, or it became known that he cannot block the, the verification of the, of the vote which is something that that would be, uh, many say, would be an institutional coup. So this is not going to happen. So the vice president, Mike Pence, will affirm whatever is happening today in, uh, in, in, the, in, uh, in Washington. So Trump is holding at the moment a very big rally or big in terms of what we'd expect uh, what you'd expect today. And the latest, the, the latest development is that Trump suggested or if I understood well that after this is over, we go and we protest to the Capitol. But at the moment, some of his supporters are already trying to enter the Capitol. So they've brought down some barricades. This doesn't look like the storming of the Winter Palace at the moment, but there are some people who look like they, they want to... They want to basically put pressure to the capital. God knows why. Probably, probably in terms of that this is this was not a legitimate election. Therefore, the verification of this election today should not happen. This is so trying to be trying to be neutral here. This is my understanding of of what is happening. So there seems to be this this schism now between Trump and the GOP. So so. The, the established parts of the Republicans say, look, what is, has actually happened is that with Trump, we've lost the presidency, we've lost the House, and now we're losing the Senate. And to go back to where we started from, the Georgia elections are super important because if the Democrats uh, uh, control the House, the Senate, and obviously the presidency, it's not only about being able to pass difficult uh, reforms and difficult legislation, just to remind people, if I'm not wrong, Obama passed Obamacare when he controlled all three parts of the executive government. But also, it's easier for him to to uh, to employ and to assign people in key positions of power without without facing much uh, much <clears throat> opposition. So that's let's say the latest the latest uh, the latest stuff. And if someone wonders why is Georgia having today Senate elections, just to clarify. According to the local constitution, the winner needs to have 50%. So if, let's say, three people were running and someone would take a even a small percentage of the vote, if the, first, if the winner hasn't got 50%, then the two top uh, 
runners have a separate election, and this is what we see, the so-called runoff elections in Georgia. So let me give the two possible readings to all this. I'll give the more rational, let's say, objectivist reading, and then I will give my a bit more unorthodox reading. So the day after the election, if you remember, we said that this could be a golden opportunity for the Republicans. They can say, look, we lost the election under shady situations. We get rid of Trump and now the left is on power and they have to deal with the monster they created. What is this monster they created? So for four years, the left was having a blast. Trump, in a way, was the best thing that has ever happened to them. He gave them a narrative. He gave them a negative value consensus. So you had a part with AOC and other more moderate, so-called centrist, respectable people. They could come together and say, we hate the, the, orange, uh, the orange guy. Or you could have BLM and you could have radical activists on the road being together again with more institutional players hating Trump. Now, I wonder when Trump is out of the picture, what is going to happen with that? So I know that the moderate line would be, we don't want the Democrats to control everything because the less the government does, the more time we have to breathe. I think, personally, I think this mode of thinking does not apply anymore. Things are happening so fast that I'm not anymore convinced, and I disagree with many objectives on this, that the best thing to happen is for a moderate to, to let us breathe. The system is being teared apart. It's exactly what it deserves. It's exactly what the culture deserves. It's exactly what, as you said, the philosophy of the previous years has led us to. So trying to cling to this movement and say, well, yeah, but maybe if there's some balance in the Congress, I don't believe this. So, and with this, I'll finish. There's an interesting faction in, among Marxists, some people called accelerationists. And what they say is, look, ideally we would bring the revolution, but we are not strong enough. So what we want to do is capitalism to reach its limits, and then its contradictions will become evident. I see in some ways American politics in the same way, that this system, not capitalism, of course, but whatever is happening in America, has reached its limits. There's nothing to hope about it. So when I see it in a way collapsing, and when I see Trump ridiculing it, I'm not necessarily celebrating because there's, there can always get worse. But at the same time, I cannot cling and say, oh, I wish now where is Mitt Romney or someone to save it because I don't think there's any salvation for, for what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard to play this game, I guess, of like what would be best. I'm sort of, um, I'm generally happy with the way things are going and just the fact that both parties seem to be um, conflicted, right? The, the Republicans, of course, are in a crisis mode. They're not sure what's next. Do we, do we stick with this Trump thing or do we uh, kind of go back to kind of semi-normalcy or, or something else? Uh, dig up the, the uh, corpse of William Buckley, maybe? I don't know. They're <laughs> trying to figure that out. Uh, and of course, the Democrats, they've got this uh, conflict. Uh, do we go with AOC or do we go with Nancy Pelosi and the more establishment uh, class. So I'm hoping that all parties basically shoot themselves in the foot con continuously and don't get anything done, basically. And but also so I, maybe maybe this is paradoxical. I want them to deregulate and just kind of let let people uh, get back to uh, 
economic liberty and kind of let us rebuild after this uh, ridiculous lockdown while they all try to figure it out. Uh, if there's one thing I've realized uh, recently, it's that local politics, right? Like, and I mean, the lockdown definitely showed us this. Uh, local politicians definitely are very effective, very influential on our lives. So there's, there's more to politics than the federal, although TV, you know, the internet definitely makes it look like federal politics are the beginning and the end. But yeah, I mean, I'm hoping both parties, I mean, but like given how dire things have gotten, I think the way they're going is probably about as good as it gets. I hope Republicans have this crisis and are unsure what to do. And maybe from this chaos, they begin to rethink this populist orgy that they've uh, uh, resorted to. And on the Democrat side, I hope they continue to trend toward the center to realize, uh, you know, maybe the, the Marxist revolution is not now. <laughs> maybe it's uh, maybe maybe that that'll be in the future. So so let's see uh, what happens. Um, by the way, uh, good. Great to see a vibrant chat room today. Uh, I just want to mention like uh, so Mark says that I don't know what I'm talking about. Look, I mean, I know that when Trump gets up there on election night and 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 announces his own victory, I know that that's BS. And I know that when there's voter fraud allegation and it's taken to courts and every court in every state throws it out, that that says something to me. I mean, so yes, it is an epistemological battle that is relevant. And also he and some others are bringing up the Ayn Rand Institute. I just want to mention you're welcome to mention to talk about ARI uh, for converse, the sake of conversation, but the Daily Objective and Ayn Rand Center UK is not a, is not part of the Ayn Rand Institute. So um, what I like about ARI personally is that their primary job is to preserve the philosophy of Ayn Rand. And so if you think that bringing up ARI or some or anyone at a, on, on today's episode is relevant, I think you're missing the point of what objectivism is. We're talking about electoral politics today and to think that maybe ARI's position on who to vote for or something like that is, you know, disqualifies them as objectivists, I think says something maybe about you, about your understanding of objectivism, dear, dear viewer. Um, anyway, those are my thoughts. <laughs> What's on your... Yeah, what do you two, yeah, two final thoughts. First of all, imagine if we said to someone two years ago that... There's going to be the, the standing sitting president. How is it? So the current president leading a crowd to the Capitol, God knows do what there, that would be considered so crazy. But that's where we are. That's why I'm saying all this discussion of, oh, I wish this wouldn't be the case. We need to find a middle ground. There is no middle ground anymore. Right. This is what this is. This is the soil that was uh, let. Uh, this is, this is the result of exactly, again, this is exactly what the country deserves based on its based on its ideas. That's the one thing. The other thing is, yes, the Republicans do a lot of soul searching, but I'm not buying for a second this idea that Trump has destroyed the party. We've seen with Trump an enthusiasm among the mass, among the, the grassroots of the party that hasn't been seen for someone who was uh, who was running for presidency, I don't know, I can't remember since when. So this idea that now that Trump will be out and we're going to go back to Mitt Romney or Ted Cruz or God knows who else, everything's going to be fine. I'm not buying it. Most of the Republican establishment were not much better than Trump when it came to their actual policy 
proposals. For example, I, don't, I didn't see many Republicans standing up and saying, what are we going to do with Obamacare? What about the rights of doctors and patients to do whatever they want? I didn't see much of that. I didn't see much of saying, oh, what about, what about free trade? What about the fact that if Raqqa wants to import something, a tariff is actually a breach on his rights? I didn't see much of that. I didn't see much defense of the rights of big tech, quote, to do whatever they want with their platforms. Although, again, I consider them morally corrupt and corrupting the culture and all that stuff. So a Republican Party, which is torn between boring centrism and not having principles, although maybe these two things are interconnected. Yeah, please don't buy that, oh, now that Trump's going to be gone, we're going we're gonna to go back to the good old days. There are no good old days. There were never good old days. The sooner we realize it, maybe the better we are to understand what is happening and what is going to happen from now on. I mean, look, uh, I think there's a little bit of a straw man in there. I don't, I haven't, nobody's saying let's go back to the good old days. Um, of course, the Republicans have been disastrous for many, many decades. And you can say Trump is a symptom of that. He is sort of, uh, he is the sort of pragmatist Frankenstein created by this culture. Absolutely. Uh, so the culture of pragmatism gave us this uh, doofus. And we can maybe, if we're going to compare him to a, uh, to a sort of a, to someone real or fictional, rather than comparing him to a power-lusting despot, we can compare him to Mr. Thompson from uh, uh, the head of state from Atlas Shrugged, let's say, or, or Wesley Mouch, like someone who people think is so conniving, but really sort of uh, drifted into the vacuum because of uh, somehow. Anyway, I'm, my, my point being, um, I don't, I'm not saying let's go back to the old days. I'm just saying what I see from Trump as a, as a, with his relationship to reality, the way he just announces things like I had the biggest turnout in any inauguration in history, things like that. The fact that he just says things and can contradict himself a minute later and act like the past doesn't exist. That is something that is very shocking and should not be normalized. And most other presidents and politicians would be embarrassed to be so subjective. So um, what bothers me about Trump is much bigger than policy. And that is how we should look at politicians and at presidents. Policy definitely has immediate consequences, but in the big picture, you know, it is ultimately the sort of more fundamental approach that they have to the world. And if we're willing to put up with a president that makes up reality as he goes, um, bad times are ahead. And that, that is why I brought up Kant at the beginning of the episode. Because if Kant were running for president and he said, look, I'm, uh, I'm, like, the, I'm like George Washington. I agree with Washington. Knowing what we know, we would, we, we, we would still be wise to say, no, no, no. Keep this guy away from the White House at all costs. Um, and that's, you know, and that's kind of where, where I'm coming from when I say that Trump sort of, quote, destroyed the Republican Party. I think he accelerated the disaster that has been um, coming for a long time. Exactly. And it's what you said. He's the creation of that disaster. So let's finish with one fact and two very short, funny stories. First, again, as we said in the beginning, according to the biggest media outlets, such as BBC, the Democrats are set to win both seats in Georgia. Therefore, it's going to mean they're going to seize control of the Senate. The second is if you see scenes from the attempt to break in the Capitol, you're going to see people with a yellow flag that says, don't tread on me which is quite funny because 
Trump definitely tried to, quote, tread on our rights. So I find a bit sarcastic. And the last thing is, if people are going to bring up that the storming of the Winter Palace in the Russian Revolution, here's a short inside info by an ex-Leninist. This is more or less a myth. The Winter Palace was basically empty. There was, the, it's not that the, that, the, that the royal family was there. There were just some civil servants there. So the Bolsheviks has the easiest right to, to quote Stormy. And there's the joke that says that there were more people injured when uh, Eisenstein was shooting the famous scene in, his, in, in a cinematic form of storming the Winter Palace rather than the actual quote storming of the Winter Palace. So anyway, here's some bit of history for a goodbye. Thank you for that uh, humor and uh, benevolent. I remember yesterday you said, oh, tomorrow we're having a more optimistic uh, topic to discuss. So, uh, hey, there, there's some optimism here today. So this was good. Shall I yeah, announce? It's history, it's, it's history repeating itself as a farce, although the original history was also a farce because, again, there was no proper storming of the winter palace. Anyway, enough for me. All right. Shall I announce our upcoming event? Uh, here Please do. In about 35, 30 minutes at the bottom of this hour at 7 p.m. UK time, which is uh, 11 a.m. California time, and therefore 3 p.m. Eastern time, right? We've got uh, a, a more, another excellent uh, discussion taking place with, uh, or actually 2 p.m. Eastern, excuse me, with James Valiant. They're going to be discussing Ayn Rand's essay, Who is the Final Authority in Ethics? And it's going to be moderated by a guy whose name I'm sure to pronounce perfectly, George Grigorapoulos. So uh, are you going to be there, Nikos, or is, or is it just one Greek per, per stream? I'll be there in spirit, and my soul will be there. All right. I'm looking forward to the uh, final uh, battle of the two Greeks. I've never seen you and George in the same place, so I'm not sure you're actually separate people. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you all for engaging in the chat room. Uh, it's all love at this end, as they say in the streets. It's all love. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that people are watching and engaged. We have a lot of fun here. I certainly enjoy giving my candid opinion. I put thought into it, and I hope you all can respect that fact, even if we disagree. Um, thank you, Nikos. Uh, thank you, Rosy, behind the scenes. Thank you all for watching at home and for the super chatters, especially. See you back. Uh, see you here at the end of this out in, a, in about 30 minutes on this channel, Ayn Rand Center UK. And of course, see you back here same time tomorrow on the Daily Objective. Thank you and goodbye.